Good morning. My name is Paul. I get to serve as the pastor here in Terranova Church, North Adams. And it's a pleasure to be able to share this with you all around the family of Terranova Churches as we celebrate Advent together. At the end of the passage that we just heard read, we met God and we heard his name, Jehovah Shalom, or I am peace, the Lord who is peace. What a name for us to consider together towards the end of 2020, a year uh, with a pandemic, a year with heightened racial injustices an election, a year with loss of jobs, loss of school, distance from family and friends. 2020 has been a panicky, chaotic, uncertain, tumultuous, constantly changing year. Peaceful is probably not the adjective we're using to describe 2020 as we come to a close. Yet, peace is something that we long for, we want, we strive for, whether it's peace within us, our emotions, our thoughts, whether it's peace around us, relationally or culturally, we long for peace. So what a name for us to consider, because does this God who has a name that says his very essence is, he is the embodiment of peace, does this God who shows up and introduces himself in that way thousands of years ago to a man named Gideon in a tucked away corner of the Middle East, does that matter to us today? Should that matter to us today? As we celebrate Christmas at the end of a chaotic year, does that God with that name matter? And I believe the answer is yes. I believe it has to matter. I believe it needs to matter. For any real measure of peace for us now, we must look backwards to this moment. Because I firmly believe that the same God who showed up in the midst of Gideon's chaos in the story that we just read is the same God that can show up in our chaos too. But I recognize that we have some work to do to get to that point and to build faith into that point for the same God to arrive and breathe peace into our own panickiness. So here's our uh, outline for how we'll look at this story. We're going to look at this in three ways. Gideon's advent, Christ's advent, and our advent. So Gideon's advent, Christ's advent, our advent. And as we get into that, let me, let me briefly define two words and how I intend to use them for the remainder of our time today so that we're all on the same page. Those two words are going to be advent and peace itself. So the word Advent, if you just went into Google right now, quickly, don't do it because you're listening to this, but if you went into Google and Googled the word Advent, you'd get this definition. It's the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Or event. It's Latin in its origins. And so for today, we're going to use the word Advent in this way, meaning the arrival of God upon the scene of the story. That moment when God arrives. God has this arrival moment in Gideon's life, an advent. And there's Christ arriving with his birth in the Christmas story. That's the season of advent that we celebrate in the church. It's looking back at that time when, when God arrived onto the scene of the story in the person of Christ. And then the third way we'll look at that is that way that we really desire 
And that is for God to arrive into our own life, onto the scene of our story. Because it's nice to read stories about a God who shows up for Gideon or comes in the person of Christ. But we long to answer that question, does he still arrive in my life? So the word Advent for today is the moment that God arrives on the scene of the story. That second word to put some category of thought around for us is the word peace, or more, more specifically, the Jewish word shalom. Now, there are an abundance of books, an abundance of sermons on this specific word, its prevalence across the pages of Scripture and its importance in Scripture. But for the sake of today, allow the collection of these words to fill the word peace or shalom as we talk about it. It's whole or finished, complete, at rest, good, perfect, made whole, made right. Those kind of words, all of those kind of brought together into harmony, draw us into what the word shalom or peace is bringing forth. And and biblically, they speak of a physical shalom and a spiritual shalom. It's everything that was present and lost at the very beginning of the biblical story. And it's everything that God is in the process of restoring by the end of the story. Shalom, this harmony of wholeness, completeness at rest quiet to all of that. So Advent and peace. But let's start with Gideon. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the details and the nuances that we found as we read the verses out of Judges 6. Rather, I just want us to draw out the circumstances in which God makes his arrival upon the scene or his advent. So we, in the story, as, as it was read to you, picked up in verse 11. And what we're told here is something kind of interesting that we probably don't catch right away. And that's the Lord arrives, he appears to Gideon, who we're told is beating wheat in a wine press. So he's not beating wheat on a threshing floor, that would make sense. And he's not crushing grapes in a wine press, that would make sense. Rather, we're told he's beating wheat in a wine press. He's doing it in secret, where it won't be found out, where he's doing it in hiding so that his food won't be taken from him. Why? Why is that going on in the story of Gideon? If we backed up to the beginning of Judges 6, we get the scene that is set for us that I want to read a couple of verses from the beginning of Judges 6 so we can get the feeling of the circumstances under which God arrives on the scene. So here's verses 1 out of Judges 6. Verses 1, I think I'll probably read the first six verses. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. That's a neighboring country and people. The hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves homes in the dens that are in the mountains and the caves as strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out 
for help. This is the backdrop for the story of Gideon in which God arrives. God arrives at a very low point in the story of Israel. He's arriving 200 years since the last time that he revealed one of his names to his people. He's arriving to Gideon who, while he's being oppressed by Midian, is in the promised land, the place that God was bringing his people for peace and prosperity, where they could dwell peacefully. And God, he's, he's arriving as his people are crying out for help as they're smuggling food so that they have something to eat as they hide in dens and caves. Like, peaceful is not an adjective Gideon probably would have placed on this point in his life, in these days. See, there's, there's this uh, defining characteristic to the whole of Book of Judges that we don't necessarily pick up in this story, but throughout the Book of Judges, there's these ebbs and these flows in and out of chaos, cycles of these waves of prosperity and peace for God's people, followed by valleys and troughs of oppression and war and slavery and God's people crying out. And we're told that the basis for this tossing to and fro, these ebbs and flows, is that God's people are repeatedly forgiving him and forgetting him and doing what is evil. Or there's this phrase that's repeated often through the book of Judges, God's people would forget him and do what was right in their own eyes. And that's what we're told out of the beginning of the story in verse 1, that God's people had forgotten him, they had done what was right in their own eyes, they had sinned, and so for seven years Midian was here oppressing the Israelites. And here, in this dark corner of history, in this dark time of Gideon's life, in a in a time and a day of his life that probably he wished he could forget and move on from. It's probably a day Gideon least expected it. God arrives on the scene and says, I am with you. Do not fear. I am peace. Gideon's circumstances are meant to stand in stark contrast to the words from this God who is peace. We are to catch the difference in the stark contrast between God's words and presence and the circumstances surrounding Gideon. But let's fast forward a little bit. Let's move up several hundred years to the arrival or the advent of Christ, the very first Christmas in Bethlehem. We find ourselves, if we summarize the story there, we find ourselves at another low point in Israel's history. It's been 400 years since God has last spoken to his people through a prophet. It's not Midian this time, but now it's Rome who's occupying the land and oppressing Israel. And again, God's people are crying out. Their hope is dimming low. Would God ever make good on this promise to send a Messiah and a deliverer and a redeemer? Peaceful is not an adjective the Jews would have used to describe the context and the time surrounding the birth of of Christ. But it's there on a random night, dark night, to unsuspecting shepherds, God arrives and he arrives with an echo of the same thing that he has said to Gideon back in the earlier story. Fear not. I bring good news. A savior, a messiah has been born. The prince of peace has been brought to earth. This contrast is palpable for us Again, God's presence and his words come when our circumstances seem to be at their bleakest and darkest. 
God arrived to Gideon in Israel's dark hour. The arrival of God in Christ comes at another dark hour. Now let's move forward another couple thousand years to today. Our time, our life, the tumultuous sea that's within us and the tumultuous sea that is around us. Does God arrive on this scene too? Does he promise and provide peace for our souls today? And I think the answer is yes, he does. See, in these two stories, and, and honestly, in, in most of the other stories where God reveals his names, there's uh, eight or nine of those across the pages of the Bible. In those stories and in other stories, God has this repeated pattern of showing up in the moments when we need it most, but at the same time, we may be expecting it at least. Think of Abraham. Think of Joshua. Think of David. Think of the woman at the well. Think of the apostle Paul. They, God arrives on the scene when they almost least expect it. It surprises us, but it's also at a moment when we need it most. I've experienced that in my own life as well. So I want to just say this as well today. If peaceful is not an adjective that you would place over your heart and your soul today, can I encourage you with a couple things? Please cling to hope that God does, God will arrive on the scene of your story. Keep pursuing this God. Keep crying out to him. Please keep running to the word as a place for you to hear God speak to you. And please run to a trusted friend to sit with you, to walk with you, to mourn with you, to encourage with you, to help bear the burden of dark days and heavy doubts. Cling to hope that God desires an advent into your story. But, but let me slow down a little bit here as well. Because we, what we long for is we want God to arrive on the scene and bring peace, bring shalom, harmony, rest, stillness, quietness to our circumstances. Right? Gideon wanted the oppression of Midian over. Israel wanted the reign and rule of Rome over. But we, but we have to see this about the God who shows up in these stories. He has a place and he has an aim where he wants to bring and breathe peace first and foremost. And it's not generally the world and the circumstances around us. It may not even be the chaos that's within our own hearts and minds. There is a primary place where God wants to bring peace. And it may be where we expect it least, but I believe it's where we also need it most. And that place where God wants to bring peace first, before those other places, is the relationship between you and and him. There is a making whole. There is a reconciliation. There is a harmony needed between God and mankind. And God wants to arrive and bring peace to that place first and foremost. See, here's the hard truth for us sometimes. Apart from Jesus Christ, peaceful is not the adjective God uses to describe the nature of the relationship between God and mankind. There's tension. There's strife. We are told in several passages of Scripture that we are, at, we are at enmity. We are enemies with God. And that's not just because of Adam and Eve and how the story fell apart at the beginning, but it's because like the story of Judges, each of us has done what was right in our own eyes. And so there's this brokenness to the relationship that needs to be made whole, complete, 
perfect, brought to rest, brought to security, first and foremost. See, this is why Christmas is still celebrated. Because the reconciliation of that relationship between God and mankind is only possible through the perfect life of Christ and his sacrificial death. I think the Apostle Paul summarizes this so well in Colossians 1, verses 19 and 20. For in him, so he's referring to Jesus, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This God who is peace, all of that was brought to its fullness in the person of Jesus Christ. So for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace or shalom by the blood of his cross or by the blood of his cross see every year we celebrate the advent of Christ in the cradle not just because he arrived to live with us but because he ultimately would have an advent or an arrival on the cross to die for us which think of that scene for a moment that is not a scene the adjective the adjective peaceful is not a scene or not a word we would use to describe a crucifixion scene. And it's a place we would expect to find God the least, but it's a place we also most need Him to be. There on the cross, Christ making peace between God and every single person who would ever live and claim Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that includes me, and that includes you. It doesn't exclude a single person for any single reason. And this moment of faith is the first advent of God into our story. The first moment God arrives on the scene of our story. And at that moment, there is peace between you and God, and that is planted deeply in your soul. There is now security with the God of the universe. You are now known fully and loved perfectly, reconciled peace. And it's from there that we can begin in measure to experience a peace that surpasses understanding regardless of the circumstances around us. There can be peace within us, and it's from that place with peace with God that we can become agents of peace around us. But that's the place for the advent or the arrival of God into the scene of our story, first and foremost. Let me close uh, with a little bit of a story uh, from my childhood. When When I was a kid... Uh, I would often go fishing with my grandfather uh, on Lake Ontario, and it's uh, one of the one of the great lakes, and it's big water. And sometimes my grandfather would get us out there uh, in some pretty sketchy weather, uh, and in some pretty sketchy water. Uh, and my grandfather did not have a very large boat; it was a fairly small boat. Wind, rain, waves. We'd be trolling uh, for fish, but we'd be getting tossed around the seas, very limited, if any, sight of land. No promise that my breakfast would stay down. Often it didn't. And so for someone with, honestly, a bit of a moment of knowing me, for someone with a deep fear of deep water, peaceful was not an adjective that I would often use to describe these fishing trips with my grandfather. Yet in the midst of these moments, in a small boat, getting tossed to and fro as a young boy, my grandfather would ask me to steer the boat. And he'd be in the back of the boat, and he would just bellow out, keep her straight. And like, keep her straight? Like, I didn't even know which way was up. That felt impossible to a young boy who was in fear, looking up at the next wave that was coming or looking down 
at the trough of the valley between the next ways. Keeping it straight felt impossible, allowing it to sink. That felt quite probable. But then uh, in the midst of those things, my grandfather would remind me or teach me of a trick as to how to steer a boat in those moments. And he would say, find the tallest landmark off in the distance. It would usually be a tower uh, from a factory or maybe a tall tree on a tall height of land. And he would say, keep your eyes on that. And any time that that comes into view, once you get up on top of a wave, a wave, like look at that and just steer the front of the boat back to that point. And then with that and trying to find that fixed point, every time that we would bob up and be able to see it and be able to be, be, able to see that we were making progress to it and out of the storm, I would grow in belief that we are making progress. We're going to be okay. We're heading in the right direction. And then eventually, we'd make it out. We'd get closer to that point of land where the seas weren't nearly as rough. But the point of all of that is I believe the cross of Christ is the fixed point on the horizon of history by which peace is possible for the stormy seas of life. It's promised to us because of the cross of Christ. It's a fixed point for all of us, and that's worthy of our trust. We have to notice something even in the story of Gideon that I think is important here. He had this interaction and this moment with the God who reveals himself as peace, and then Gideon trusts that, right? He worships it. He, before his circumstances had even been fixed or touched or addressed, Midian is still oppressing in these moments. They haven't been defeated yet. Before peace was made out around Gideon, Gideon made an altar to God and worshiped him so that he could keep in view a God who promised his presence and his peace to him. I think that altar for us, that fixed point for us in the midst of our storms is the cross of Christ. And it's not that all of our storms of lives are going to get calmed immediately, but we have a fixed point of peace between God and mankind. Through the cross, God makes peace with us. And through the cross, God promises restoration of peace for us. And that's a reason we celebrate Advent and Christmas every year. Merry Christmas, everyone.